we didn't prepare for ourselves. And we're walking down and there's three guys up in front of me. And all of a sudden there was a fourth guy there. And I hadn't been paying attention. I'm just talking with the guy I'm walking with. And this guy is disheveled. He's hunched over, disheveled, frail, beard, huge beard, disheveled hair, kind of. And uh, he turned and he looked at me. And I just, you know, we work with guys that are marginalized, we work with homeless guys. And I mean, that's, he kind of looked like maybe a guy be holding a sign on the side of the street. And I, I started to say, hey, bro, come and have lunch with us. And I said, hey, bro, and I caught eyes with him. It's the guy that lived in the house that we drove by on Thursday. I've not seen him for five years because he's been out of the area. And I looked and I said, bro, this is the Lord. He had come to the camp to collect bottles and cans out of the trash cans to return them to get some money. He saw the sign welcoming Hillside Christian Fellowship. So he parked his rig and he started walking with some of our guys. And God put this thing together that's in process right now. We're getting together. I'm on my way back out to Hebo in two weeks. We're getting together. He's going to introduce me to the guy that is he's living on this guy's property. This guy doesn't know the Lord. He wants this guy to get saved. He's already talking kingdom stuff. Like, I mean, and we sat at the lunch table. Everybody was gone. It was just he and I. And he just broke and began to weep. And he just wants to be with the Lord. He just wants to be right with the Lord and all these things. I thought, God, you hear our prayers and you answer our prayers. And so I just want to encourage you this morning. God is on the move. God is on the move. He orders the footsteps of the righteous. So sometimes when God is prompting you to simply pray for someone, you may never see what God does through your prayer. But will you simply be obedient to pray for whatever those needs are that God prompts you to pray for? Does that make sense? Is that so cool? God's moving, and it's good stuff. And so, praise the Lord. Well, that brings us to, well, let's see. I'm supposed to do some stuff. We, some of our guys aren't here that normally do things. I think it's. Uh, I think I need to ask the ushers to come forward at this time. If we can have our ushers come, they're going to prepare to uh, service as we uh, have a moment of uh, generosity this morning, and we want to bring all of the tithes into the storehouse. And so, I want to thank you for walking in obedience to the scripture and bringing the tithes into the storehouse. Let's pray and ask God's blessing. Father, we thank you for the generosity in the house of God. Father, you have shown us such tremendous generosity in every area of our life. Lord, all of the good things, your word says, every good and perfect gift flows from the Father of lights. And so, Lord, we attribute all of the good and all of the blessings in our lives, we attribute just to you and your generosity. And so, Lord, we want to honor you. We want to obey the word of God. We want to have a spirit of generosity in our own lives. We recognize we are but stewards. All that we oversee and possess, so to speak, belongs to you. And we're simply stewards. And we want to steward 
all of these resources according to the Word of God. And so, Lord, we bring tithes, we bring offerings, those missions dollars to further the gospel on the foreign soil, and we bring alms to be blessings to those in the fellowship that are struggling and those in the community that are in need of help. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your grace. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said a strong amen. Amen. And by the way, of highlight this morning, I also want to let you know that May 12th will begin the registration for our all-church campout. And uh, the dates for the all-church campout are in your, uh, your program this morning. If you didn't pick up a program, I'm going to open it and make sure that I get all of the dates correct. The dates for this uh, are July 11th through July 13th. Several of you have asked if it's going to go through through Sunday morning up at the camp. And uh, this year, is our, it's our first year that we're going to be coming back on Saturday. And some have said, aww. But that's how it's going to be this year because we have momentum and the church is growing. And so we just want to make sure that uh, there's all, all no, no momentum busts, if you will. Anyway, I know some families will be staying up there all the way through Sunday, which is great. Praise the Lord. Okay. John chapter 6, if you would turn in your Bibles with me, John chapter 6, verses 22 through 40. And uh, this is a, it's, it really is a simple message. In the simplicity of this message, there is a profoundness associated with it and the realities for you and I. The realities for you and I. And it seems to me the more I read in the Gospel of John, the more I want to understand the depth of what Jesus is calling us to, and the depth of what He is inviting us in, and the depth of all that is available to us as His children, and as we follow Him to receive the blessings of the Lord, and to believe the Word of the Lord, and so walk in it. And so we come to this portion of scripture. If you're taking notes this morning, the title of today's message is The Work, the Food, and the Will of God. The Work, the Food, and the Will of God. Beginning in verse 22, it says, On the following day, when the people were standing on the other side of the sea, saw that there was no other boat there except the one which the disciples had entered, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias, near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. And when the people therefore, therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? When did you get here? And if you recall from the previous sermon prior to Easter where we left off, Jesus had just fed the 5,000 men. And based on those numbers, we can make estimations that could have been as high as 15 to 20,000 people. And it's so very interesting because in that area of Bethsaida, there's not like the Costco right down the street where they're going to go buy bread for not only 5,000 men, but 15,000 to 20,000 people. There's no way. And Peter, uh, Philip, who's from that area of Bethsaida, it's just kind of, it's interesting to me. I think it's actually kind of funny that he looks to Philip and he says, hey, Philip, where can we go to get some bread for all these people? Like he'd know because he's the local in the area, right? Oh, well, 
you can just stop down at the mini mart, pick up everything they have, and head over here to us. And so, and he's like, uh, you know, 200 days wages aren't going to get us enough bread for everyone just to have a little morsel. Look how many people are. And so Jesus has them all sit down, and you know the story of the five little barley loaves, or five little muffins, and some two fish, and blesses it, and then feeds everybody, and then has the disciples collect all the extras, and 12 baskets full come back. One basket of full breadcrumbs and fish crumbs for each of the disciples who thought, how in the world are we going to do this? And God steps in and does this marvelous miracle. And so then he instructed the disciples to get in the boat and to go over to the other side, but Jesus goes up on the hill. And you know that there was a tempest on the water and they were terrified. Jesus had been watching. The text indicates that Jesus was kind of watching from the top of the hill. And so he comes down and he walks on the water at 3 a.m. in the morning and meets them out in the middle of the water and they're terrified. And he says, don't be afraid, it is I. And he gets in the boat. And of course, the others record, you know the story, Peter saying, Lord, bid me, if, if it's you, Lord, bid me to come. And he says, come. And Peter hops out of the boat and walks on the water. And it's an amazing, amazing story. And then he looks at the storm, of course, and starts to sink. And Jesus grabs him and says, don't doubt. Don't doubt. Oh, you little faith. And they get in the boat and immediately they're at the other side. And so now these guys are like, hey, you didn't get in the boat. How'd you get here? How'd you get here? When did you come? So Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then they said, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform then, that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. It's just, it's so interesting to me. They're trying to manipulate Jesus. They want more food. It's breakfast time. You fed us last night. Give us some more food. Say, hey, what sign will you show us? And what will you do? You see, our fathers ate manna in the desert. We got food every single day. Our, all of our forefathers, they received food every single day. They're wanting Jesus to feed them every day bread and sustenance they said our fathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written he gave them bread from heaven to eat and the he there is Moses <laughs> Moses gave food for you to eat every day and then Jesus said most assuredly I say to you Moses did not give you the bread from heaven but my father did my father gives you the true bread from heaven for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And Jesus said to them, excuse me, they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. Now let me stop here for just a moment. You remember back in chapter 4 when Jesus meets the woman at the well in Samaria? And he says, if you knew who was asking you for a drink of water, you would have said, 
to me and asked me for water, and I would have given you living water, and you would thirst no more. And she, she responds, Lord, give me this water so that I don't have to come down to the well and get water every day anymore. She totally missed what he was saying. And again, Jesus is using the same kind of conversation with these guys about the bread. And they're like, well, give us this bread. Because again, they, they're just thinking about satisfying their bellies. Satisfying the belly. Satisfying the flesh. How can I gratify the flesh? That's their mindset. And I want to point that out as we continue in the text because how often as followers of Jesus do we fall into the mindset of the gratification of the flesh? The gratification of the flesh. Materialism. Right? Working for the salary not working for the Lord. Okay? See the difference? It's, it's, they're really diametrically opposed. Okay, and so Jesus is trying to help them catch the picture. The miracle of feeding of the 5,000, it wasn't about the, the bread in the belly. It was a sign that He's Messiah. Amen. He's the bread from heaven. He didn't come to give bread. He came to be bread. To satisfy their souls. To satisfy every part of their being. And they missed it. They missed it. And so he's trying to encourage and communicate. He says, for the bread, verse 33, of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And so they said, Lord, give us this bread always. But just leaning on that whole Moses thing, you know, hey, for 40 years, can we just get some bread on a daily basis? Have you not, let me just stop you for a moment. How many of us, no, we're not going to do it that way. Let's do it this way, right? Most people are working hard today to prepare for what? Well, tomorrow. <laughs> Most of us are working and saving and putting away for retirement. Retirement in the kingdom of God is heaven. Yeah. Is heaven. Right? Seek first the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not opposed to putting money away for retirement, so to speak, but man, that's not our modus operandi. We are about the kingdom of God. And so let's, let's go a little further and we'll talk about this. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life, verse 35. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I say to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. You've seen me and don't believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up the last day. Now, Jesus is giving us a picture about what it's all about. It's about eternal things. And the last day, I will raise them up. Right? It's the end in mind, the 
end game. It is who will make it, who's going to get to heaven. It's about the kingdom and seeing people coming into the kingdom of God, that they would be raised up and live in eternal life with God forever. That's the will of the Father. That's the will of the Father. And Jesus came to do the will of the Father. Verse 40 says, And this is the will of Him who sent me. Again, reiterating, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him may have everlasting life. And I will raise Him up the last day. Pray with me for a moment. And we'll dive into this for a few minutes. Father, again, our prayer is that we would grasp, Lord, all that you are inviting us to, to be about, to engage in, and that we would shift our mindset, that our minds would be renewed by the washing of the water of the Word of God, that our perspective would be kingdom first. We ask it in Jesus' name and everyone say amen. amen. So I said the end game, right? How many of you are Marvel fans and you've gone already to see the uh, Avengers end game, right? End game. It's interesting because I, I actually really enjoy, I grew up on Marvel comics. I was a big Spider-Man fan and I was an Iron Man fan when I was a kid. Every time my family took a road trip, my parents would allow us, we'd go into the grocery store, and you, you might remember at the grocery stores, they had racks that had comic books on, you know, it was four sides, and you could spin them, and you could, you know, they, had, they were wrapped in plastic, and you'd get three comic books in each package. And uh, I remember we would always be able to go over there, and we could pick one package. So we'd have three comic books for the trip, but boy, you know, if you, if you could coerce your brother to get an Avengers one as well, then you'd have six comic books for the trip because you could kind of interchange, right? The girls ended up getting Archie and, you know, the, some of those other ones which were kind of like, oh, um, but come on, Avengers. And so, in the movie, I, and I think it's uh, Iron Man 2, I don't remember which one it is, Tony Stark, who's... You know, his job is, he's, he's a weapons manufacturer, and he discovers how to do this suit thing, and he goes out to start helping people because his weapons are being used to do bad things and so forth and so on because there's a black market blah, blah, blah. If you haven't seen it, it is what it is. But all I have to say, at one point in time, he comes back from a mission, and in his Iron Man suit, there's like bullet marks all over him, and his assistant, who they have like this little romance thing kind of kind of starting to go, they, they like each other, but you know, there's this tension, we, we work, I work for you, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, she says, oh my word, are these bullet marks? And she says, I, I have to quit, I can't work for you. And he makes the statement, there is only one mission, and this is the mission. There's only this mission. It's no longer about making weapons for America. It's no longer about making weapons for the world. There's one mission to save people. One mission. This is it. And that's just so perfect because there's only one mission and it's to save people. Amen. You see, <laughs> this is funny too. Can I tell you something that's funny? There's a saying that pastors have used and teachers use often, you've heard it before, you know, you'll never see a U-Haul trailer being pulled by a person. Because you can't take anything with you. There's no stuff that gets to go with you. Well, it was about two months ago, 
my, my, can, my phone was dead, so I couldn't even take a picture of it. But I saw Hearst with a U-Haul behind it. And I thought, ha, that's funny. <laughs> Someone totally debunked it. <laughs> but here's the reality. We can't take anything with us. And we can't take stuff with us. So the amassing of stuff, listen to me please and understand where I'm coming from. I have a house and I have furniture and I have cars in my driveway and I have stuff. But my stuff doesn't have me. Amen. Follow me? So it's not wrong to have stuff. But it's wrong if your stuff has you. So we can't take anything with us. In fact, the more stuff we accumulate, we're just preparing for the big meltdown. Because it's all fuel for the fire. Amen. It's just going to torch. It's all going to burn. So, what can we take with us? Souls. More people. More people. How many of you saw uh, Desmond Doss, the movie with Desmond Doss? Uh, it's not Heartbreak Ridge, but... Hacksaw Ridge. Hacksaw Ridge. Heartbreak Ridge, that's Clint Eastwood. That might be a rated R movie, don't watch that one. <laughs> Hacksaw Ridge, Desmond Doss. It's a phenomenal movie. It's gory because it's war. It's war. But he's a conscientious objector, so he won't hold a rifle. Won't touch it. It's a, it's a true story. So ultimately, in this movie, he's allowed to remain constitutionally. They can't kick him out. And so he goes in as a medic. He prepared to be a medic, and he goes in as a medic. He makes a statement. He says, while everyone up there is trying to take lives, I will be up there trying to save lives. Powerful scene. Everybody's gone over, and they climb back down the ridge and just bodies everywhere. And he stays like, and he prays, Lord, help me find one more, one more. And he goes back out into the battlefield and he drags, shot man, gets him over, lowers him down. Lord, help me find one more. Let me find one more to save. And he's up there all night. So he's been awake for 24 hours. I think he saved 78 lives that night, both American soldiers and the enemy, setting them over one at a time, lowering them down with a rope, some hundred foot Powerful picture of the reality of what it is. Powerful picture what it is in light of the kingdom of God. Lord, let me save one more. Lord, let me save one more. No rest for the soul. There's no, there's no retirement in this life. There's more. There's more. There's more. And it's the kingdom of God. And the church Somehow in the body of Christ, and I know our church is very, very active and very, very engaged. I'm so blessed that we have a body of believers that sees the mission and you're actively engaged. But I know 
in our own hearts, each one of us on an individual basis. There's more. There's more to be heads up. And it, sometimes it might just be that detour and you're praying for someone. And then when that's someone, you all of a sudden maybe you see that someone or you don't see it. Just being obedient when God calls us to. But stepping out of our box and talking to strangers and sharing the gospel. Allowing them to see Christ in us. And so, one mission. Lord, help us to save one more. And so, what I want to do this morning, and we're just going to take a few minutes. We're going to look at verse 27. Verse 27 simply says this. Do not labor for food that perishes. But, and what's in, in, uh, indicated here, but labor for food which endures to everlasting life. So don't labor for food that perishes, but labor or work for food that endures to everlasting life. Those two thoughts. Don't labor for food which perishes. There is a work to be done. The Bible says that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus and He has works that He has prepared in advance for you and I to do. There's works. Now, we're not saved by any of those works. It is by grace we have been saved through faith. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Nevertheless, there is kingdom stuff to do. Jesus said, my Father has been working from the beginning until now, and I too am working. If He's our example, right? Jesus is our example. We too should be about our Father's business. Can I get an amen? Jesus at 12, when His parents were frantically looking from Him as they had left the city, the city of Jerusalem, after the Passover feast, and they were making their way back home, they had this entourage, and Mary and Joseph realized, oh, Jesus, well, He must be with our relatives in this caravan. And so they start walking back, and they're like, hey, is Jesus with you? Hey, is Jesus with you? And pretty soon they get to the end of the caravan, and Jesus isn't with any of them. And so they hustle their way back to the city of Jerusalem and they're backtracking all of their steps. You would know what it was like if your 12-year-old child was I mean, I've seen some of us like at McDonald's in the play area. And they go deep in the little ball thing and I'm like, where's my kid? And it's been like seven seconds since you last saw them. And it's like, you stand up and you're like, where did he go? And then you look around and you're like, what shady character is in here? <laughs> Jesus was missing for three days. Mama was frantic. And just close your eyes and put your imagination caps on for a moment. Imagine when she came into the temple court area. And she's got like her laser eyes going, she's scanning. Fixes in on him. And she sees him. The speed with which they made to where he was, you would not want to be uh, you know, crossing her path. He'd just go down. I mean, this mom, I mean, she'd be like lasering in. And she gets there, and you, we can't read it in the text because there's no emotion. It's like getting a text message uh, from, a, from someone. And we oftentimes interpret their, like, are they mad at me? 
because there's no emotion in it, right? So when we read it in, in the here, we feel like, oh, I don't, it just says, Jesus, how could you have done this to your father and I? Can you imagine Mary walking up? She, her son's been up for three days. I just found, oh, hi, Jesus. How could you have done this to us? I am pretty sure that is not what it looked like. In fact, I'm pretty sure she had no concern about the dignity that she was or was not losing in front of all the Pharisees and the doctors of the law. She probably just walked right in the middle of those men and said, what were you thinking? How could you have done this to us? And frantic still, and yet, you know, you know, it's like you go from like, I was crying because he's gone. Now that I found him, it's like, bend over, it's coming. Boom, where have you been? How many of you have been in that place before as parents? Where they like, you're like, you're like, you're like, then you find them and you're like, you are so busted. It's like, bam, so fast. My mom could go from that space to that space in a nanosecond. I'm like, where were those tears? I'm going to be having those tears now. He says, did you not know I must be about my father's business. He's 12. He's 12. You know, it's interesting because sometimes we take the life of Jesus and we say, well, he was gone. So he like knew. We forget that the scripture tells us that he did not consider robbery to be equal with God. He set the qualities of his eternal power aside and became fully man. He was fully God, but he didn't have the abilities of God. He put them up on the shelf and became fully man and lived fully man his entire life here on this planet. Amen. Never laying claim to his God abilities. Never. Luke 2.52, you can look it up on your own time. And Jesus grew in wisdom. How can God grow in wisdom? He can't. One thing for sure God cannot do, he cannot learn. That's the real deal. He cannot learn. So when it says that Jesus grew in wisdom, we're discovering that he had to discover. Probably by the age of 12 years old, he had already memorized the Torah. And he was beginning to discover what his father's business was. He said later in the story of Zacchaeus, you can read it in Luke chapter 10, no, Luke 19, excuse me, he says, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Seek and to save the lost. He said to Zacchaeus, he said, this too is a child of Abraham. He's a child of God. And Zacchaeus made it right. He got it right with God. Expressed faith. All about the kingdom of God. The kingdom. And so... Do not labor for food which perishes. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. 
But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now this is oftentimes quoted to inspire us to give our tithes in the offering. Just a little side note. You should like already be doing that anyway. Can I get an amen? Amen. Right. Huh? That, that belongs to God. Right? Malachi shall a man rob God. You say, how do we rob God? He says, in your tithes and offerings, you don't bring those in. So you're, you're, I mean, if you're holding on to the tithe, you're robbing God. Those belong to him. He said, bring them to the storehouse. So, that's, it's not just talking about your, your dollars. It's, it's your time. It's your treasures. It's your talents. It's all his. We're stewards, and let's, let's be rich toward God. Let's not be rich toward the things of this world. Remember that he says this. He says in First John, John, same author, John, John the Apostle wrote five of the books of the New Testament, the Gospel of John, the book of Revelation, and the three small epistles, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. So John, in 1 John, in that small epistle, he says this in chapter 2, verse 15, he says this, Do not love the world. Do not love the world. Or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Ouch. Ouch. For all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, excuse me, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away. And the lust therein. But he who does the will of God abides forever. What was the will of God? Seeking the same lost. He who sees the Son and believes everlasting life. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. It's the only mission. It's the only mission. Okay? So, it's interesting. Mark. Mark chapter 4. Parables of the Sower. It's in the Gospels. Mark 4. Parable of the Sower. He, he gives us the condition of some soil. Four different conditions. One is the pathway. The seeds broadcast on the pathway, the birds of the air come and snatch it up. Then he gives us stony ground. And it says, has no root. Uh, we were, the men's retreat was deeply rooted. Because we don't want to have shallow roots when tribulation and persecution comes, we fade away. And it's, then he gives the thorny ground soil, and then he gives the good condition soil. So four different soil types. He tells us of six, six, um, like six things to be heads up about in relationship to the condition of the soil of your heart. Okay? Because the seed, when you read God's word, the seed of the word of God is falling in the soil of your heart, and the seed is good. The seed is good. It can produce a harvest in our lives, right? It can have, it can transform us from the inside out. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17. So here's the six. The first, he tells us what the birds of the air are. This is Satan coming and snatching the seed right now. 
people that don't know Christ, we're like, oh, Lord, break up the fallow ground, break up the, break up the pathway so that the birds can't come and Satan can't come and snatch the seed. And yes and amen. But don't stop to think that it only includes people who don't know the Lord. Because if the enemy can keep you and I from the mission and keep us distracted, we won't be about our Father's business. Right? That's, that's a big deal. So even this morning's message, if you're a pathway, God, you leave? You might say, oh, that was a good sermon, or that was boring. I don't know if I'll go back. But if it sinks, we look internally and we say, what are the areas in my life that I might not have? And that seed is kind of getting there so it can germinate and begin to grow and bring transformation. Uh, begin to see things maybe a little bit different. Raise your hand. I mean, do you, do you understand what I'm saying? You don't have to raise your hand, but I mean, just do you, do you, do you, do you follow me? I mean, because this is important. This is just hard, hard stuff this morning. It's just hard, hard stuff. Because it, we all need to be more about the kingdom of God. Matthew 6.33, my verse, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the others that will be added unto us anyway. Satan robbing the seed, tribulation. Anybody going through any difficult circumstances right now? Raise your hand if you're going through some tough stuff. Come on, raise them high so everybody can see. Yeah, there's a lot of people in the house this morning that are going through tribulation, trial. Hardship, heartache, difficulty. God, where are you? That kind of stuff. Be careful. Be anchored in the Lord. Be deeply rooted in the Lord. So that when the tribulation comes, you'll be able to stand firm. Matthew told of the uh, tamarisk tree. But before he told us about the tamarisk oak in Death Valley, where there's millimeters of water every 10 years. Before he told us about the tamarisk, he told us about the Douglas fir. You're familiar with the Douglas fir. These towering trees, we, sometimes when we go through the forest and we identify the old growth, we're like, whoa, those are so huge. They're just big. And then after a massive windstorm, you can go up to Mount Hood and you see these massive root systems just standing on end. It looks like a big flywheel with a tree that spans out 120 feet. You go, well, where was the root system on that thing? They just went out like this, but nothing deep. Well, no wonder it fell down. There was nothing rooting it. No depth. The tamarisk oak, where there's millimeters of water, where the tree gets blistered by weather, bark peeled back by the heat and the wind. Its roots, they've discovered some of the tamarisk oak's roots go 280 feet deep to draw water up to keep the tree alive. Very little greenery on the tree at all. Very little. Nastiest looking trees. And yet, 
weathering the storm. They show the scars of the storm, but they're alive because they're deeply rooted. Tribulation, persecution, persecution. Listen, the Church of Jesus Christ today is being persecuted probably worse globally than in any other era of time. People are dying for their faith. And in America, Christians are being persecuted for your faith. Pastor Dennis prayed about marriages. The Word of God says, For this cause a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. <laughs> Biblical understanding of marriage, which by the way, God is the author of marriage and so he defines the terms. One man, one woman. Say that at work. You're going to get persecuted. Right? So do we cower back? Or do we make a stand? Make a stand. Make a stand. Persecution. Then he goes on to say, then there's the cares of this world. The deceitfulness of riches. The desire for other things. Six enemies of the seed and the faith and the good work of the kingdom of God. And if we're not careful, we could be, we could, we, all these things could be beating us down and we could be caving into all of these things, but it has to do with the condition of the soil of our hearts. Am I kingdom minded? Is my soil ready to be obedient to the word of God? Am I going to allow this to be my rule of faith and conduct? Am I going to live this? Am I going to live for the Lord? Not just saved. Come on, I'm glad I'm going to heaven. If you're glad you're going to heaven, say woohoo. Yeah, you're going to heaven. Jesus supplied and provided a way for us to be rightly related to the Father again and to have eternal life. Thanks be to God. But it didn't stop there. He wants us in right relationship so that He can save others through us. Amen. Involve us in the process so that our joy can be complete. It's so good. So what's the remedy? Do not labor for the food which perishes. Matthew 6 tells us this in verses 24 through, I want to say 34. Let me check the time here. I'm not long. Sheesh. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and men. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life or what you will eat or what you will drink or nor your body uh, what to put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lily of the fields, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now this is Jesus speaking, right? How did he know what Solomon looked like? That's amazing stuff right there, right? But he says, hey man, not even Solomon when he was decked to the hill. He did not look like a simple lily of the field or a little dandelion, right? So 
He says, yet I say to you, even Solomon in his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. There's the remedy right there. Seek first the kingdom. Kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. Have your treasure in the kingdom. If your treasure is in the kingdom, it's the family of God. We come together. The scripture tells us in the book of Hebrews, I think it's the second chapter of Hebrews, that Jesus himself reveals the Father to us in the congregational gathering. It's in the gathering together that Jesus is revealing even the Father to us. Why wouldn't we want to be there? Right? Man, I want to know the Father. Right? Abraham, God called Abraham his friend. The friend of God. Jesus called us friends. He calls his disciples. He says, I now call you friends. I want to be a friend of the Father. Right? I'm a son of God, but I want to, I want to know him. Know him. And if, if Jesus is revealing him in this setting, then I want to be in this setting. Every time this setting is happening. The Bible says, do not forsake the gathering together of the saints, as is the custom of many even more so as you see the day approaching. The day he's referring to is the day, the end day. We should actually be getting together more often. Can I get an amen? amen. Come on. Come on. I'm supposed to get excited about that. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. I'll be quick. So do not labor for stuff that perishes. Do you have mortgages, rent, got my gas, my food, all that stuff? That's, it's in its right place. It's okay to have you know some goals and ambitions to you know move if you want to take a holiday. But when you go on vacation, know that you're never being on vacation from being a follower of Jesus, right? So there's divine appointments when you're on vacation. Can I get an amen? amen. And you're always shining your light, so that your light so shine, always being salty wherever you go, because it's kingdom. And he's directing my footsteps. And so we go do these things and it's all okay. Just don't let those things have you, if that makes sense. Um, so he says, do labor for food which endures to everlasting life. It's interesting. The story in John chapter 4, right? The, the woman at the well. Where did the disciples go? Remember they went to the grocery store? They went to the local mini mart. <laughs> we need to get some food. So they go, they go down and Jesus is hanging out by the well. The woman comes. They have that conversation. He tells her about how many husbands she's had and so forth and so on. And uh, the fellows come back. And you see him talking with this woman. They're like, what is Jesus doing talking to a woman? Rabbis aren't supposed to be talking to women publicly anywhere. Blah, 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 blah. They're like, uh, you know, she leaves because Jesus says, go get your husband and that whole story. And they're like, uh, I mean, it even says they're kind of like, I don't want to ask you anything what's going on here. What was this all about? But he says, you should eat. And he says, I have food 
we don't know of. And so they're like, getting, getting their little huddle. I wonder if someone brought him some food. Do you think maybe she had food with him? Look at him. I mean, how just And he says this. He said, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Hmm. I mean, you imagine, put yourself there. He says, I have food you don't know of. You probably think the same thing. I think the same thing. I go, did he get some bread? Maybe she had like a biscuit. Maybe she had some dry fish in her pocket. We'd be wondering about this stuff. Then Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. That which satisfies this, my outer self, my, my tent, my body, my mind, my will, and my emotions, my soul, and my belly, what satisfies that is when I fulfill the spiritual calling of my Father, because it's worship to Him when I do His will. Amen. And that is absolutely the most satisfying thing. Now, here's the lesson for you and I. The most satisfying thing to Jesus was to do the will of his Father, because it was his worship to his Father. The most satisfying thing that you and I will ever experience is our worship of our Father, which is when we fulfill his will. Does that make sense? We have our marching orders. I mean, it's that simple. And if, if we go, lights are on, and we go, yes, I'm going to go too. And so my, this food. So uh, the, the sermon title today, again, is the work. There is work, but it's not work per se. Because if I'm living it, remember, he said, my commandments are not burdensome. He said, take my yoke upon you. It is light and easy. What is a yoke for? It's to put on an oxen so he can go do what? Till the soil. But Jesus says, my yoke is easy. Somebody asked me, well, people ask me this all the time. Most of the time they ask pastors this way. They say, well, what do you do as your real job? I love that. Well, I mean, what do you, what do, you do as work? Well, full-time ministry. Oh, like, how many hours do you work in a week? I said, all of them. There's 168 hours. I work them all. But I don't actually labor any of them because what I do is who I am. Amen. And so I never look at it as though I'm working for the Lord. And you may be making widgets. You know, maybe you're in a manufacturing company or maybe you're at a radio station or maybe you work for, you know, whomever and doing whatever. If you love what you do, you never work a day of your life. Right? Find that joy and be salt and light there first, and that joy will be increased because you'll be worshiping while you work. It will know it won't be like the seven doors. Whistle while you know. Worship while you work. Worship while you work. And you will have the most amazing employment because you'll be working for the king. Amen. 24-7-365. And it really is epic. It's epic. Jesse, you work for PGE. Electrical engineer. Worship while you work. And as you worship while you're, and I know you do. And so, it's like, I don't work a day of the week. 
And serving here in the church is epic. I mean, you've got the whole Duffy family running around, hanging lights, curtains, setting tables. I mean, it's, it's awesome. It's, part, it's kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. And so many of us serve here in the church. And thank you for your faithful service. Okay, I'm going on. We'll be done. So, Jesus said, I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up the last day. That's what we're talking about, people. And this is the will, verse 40, of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. How will people on the outside see Jesus? How will they see him so that they can believe? I believe that's you and me. He, the scripture says God made man in his own image in Genesis chapter 2. What, what that really means is we are image reflectors. And we should be reflecting the image of God so that they see Jesus in us. It was in Antioch in the book of Acts that followers of Christ were first called Christians. And the reason they were first called Christians there is because they resembled Christ. When people saw them, they said, man, these cats are just like Jesus. They're little Christs. Little Christs. That's powerful. We get to be the reflection. Reflecting His image so that people can see Christ in us, the hope of glory. They'll see our good works and glorify Him on the day of His visit. So, if our hearts are laboring for the things that perish and those things are kind of consuming us, and we've got senses of uh, wrong perspectives, I guess, on the things of this world, let's rearrange our heart. Let's get our treasure in the kingdom. Let's get our treasure in the kingdom. The best way to get your treasure in the kingdom is to invest it with your time, treasures, and your talents. If you, if, you, if you dive into the swimming pool in the deep end and you swim in the kingdom, it'll be way better than carrying a five-gallon bucket of water in the kingdom on your head. That will get laborsome. Don't labor in the flesh. Dive into the deep end. Let's see, you know that song? Who sings that song? Uh, I'm diving in, I'm going deep, and over my head, I want to be. Who is it? Stephen Kirst Chapman, that's it. I won't sing it. <laughs> Everybody says it. Amen. <laughs> Will you stand with me this morning? It's 11.25. I'm sorry I went long this morning. I, 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 I've been percolating on this. It's been, it's been, it's, the coffee's been cooking in me. Because it's easy to be about our own kingdoms. It's easy to not be thinking about the kingdom of God. It's easy to not be engaged. And so as followers of Jesus, where there's such involvement in our fellowship, it's just an inspiration to be, let's be mindful of the kingdom of God. If you have any prayer needs this morning, great or small, any prayer needs, and I really want to, I, I want to emphasize, I told the story right up front about how God answers prayer. God answers prayer. 
And there's, in my mind, probably everybody in this room has a prayer meeting, right? I mean, show of hands, you've got a prayer meeting. Yeah, they're all over. This, this front up here is called, we call it the altar. It's the altar. Coming forward for prayer is not like, oh, they must have something going on in their lives. Whoa. No. Right? Far be it from us to think that kind of way. No, what we should do when someone comes up is like, oh, so-and-so went forward for prayer. I should go pray with them. And just put your hand on their back and just say yes and amen as they're praying with someone up front. So that we can support one another and love one another and engage. And then maybe a little sidebar conversation. Hey man, what's going on in your life? So that I can be praying with you throughout this week while I'm driving my car. The Holy Spirit drops that in and I go, oh yeah, I got to pray for Jason, man. He's got busy stuff at work. Boop, boop, boop. Lift it up to the Lord. So if you have a prayer need this morning, great or small, and you would like to agree with someone in prayer, we have some prayer ministers that are going to be up front to pray with you. And we would love for you to come down and just pray with one of them. In fact, I'm going to ask Chuck and Peggy if you guys would come on down this morning. And uh, Gil and Francine, well, Gil's over at the uh, men's retreat. Dennis and Jill, could you guys come forward and be prepared to pray with some folks? And uh, yeah, maybe Brandon and Austin, you guys would come down. And Kelsey, maybe you could come down too. And uh, you guys just be prepared to pray with some folks. And just, just they're going to turn some music on. We're going to pray and close the service. But you come and you be prayed for. It's, it, this is so good. So very, very good. Father, we love you and we give you praise. And Lord, we want to be about the kingdom of God. Thank you for the example in Jesus' life. And uh, Lord, we, we want to be more like Jesus in all that we do. And that, at, the bottom, at the end of the day, that's the bottom line. We want to be more like Jesus. And his heart was to be about the kingdom of God because he was on the only mission, the will of the Father. So Lord, may our food be the food of the kingdom. May we do the will of the Father. And may, Lord, not only not only be our food, but the, that, that work sense of things, God, may we just be about the work, the food, and the will of God. And so, Lord, be glorified. May you bless this marvelous family. And uh, God, go before us. Make rough places smooth this week. And help us, Lord, to be salt and light and see people's lives transformed. This week, we ask in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said a strong amen. 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 Be blessed and go in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Have an amazing week. Sorry I went long this morning. And uh, enjoy your week, God bless you. Come forward for prayer.